Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Welcome back to the Kennedy Dynasty Podcast. I'm your host, Allison. And today, I do not sound the greatest because I'm pretty sure I have the flu. I'm going to the doctor later to find out and figure it out, but it is rampant in Nashville. And uh, I'm pretty sure I've been hit with it. So I am quarantined away from my family as of now. But I had a really good episode I wanted to bring you guys. So I'm going to go on and record anyway. So please excuse me if I sound a little nasty. I completely apologize. But I think you're going to be glad that I brought you this episode. Before we get started, though, let's do our In the News segment. Big news story of the past seven days. The Friends of Liberation War honor has been posthumously bestowed upon Ted Kennedy by the Prime Minister of Bangladesh. The honor recognizes Senator Kennedy's contribution to the liberation of Bangladesh. The Bangladeshi Prime Minister acknowledged his bold stand against the genocide committed against Bengali people by Pakistan, his visits to refugee camps in West Bengal, and his work to stop U.S. military and economic aid to Pakistan during the liberation war. This is via Current Affairs. Another story that I found very interesting is, this is according to Town & Country, Robert Kennedy's grandson Connor shares his experience fighting in Ukraine. To quote him, he said, I told one person here where I was, and I told one person there my real name. Connor Kennedy wrote, I was also willing to die here. There's a lot of stories written about this, and he posted about it originally on his Instagram. So if you're interested in learning more about that, then you can go read about it. And for our inspiring clip of the week. One of the inspiring notes. I'm going to insert a clip here of JFK and Eleanor Roosevelt discussing the status of women in recognition of the 60th anniversary of Eleanor Roosevelt's passing. I would like to ask you, because I have always been interested in women's affairs, and I was very much honored when you made me chairman of your new committee on the status of women. Perhaps you'd be willing to tell the people what prompted you to name this committee at this time and what you feel is the real need for it. Well, we are attempting to uh, make sure that the women, for example, who work, uh, one-third of our working force are women. We want to uh, try to encourage uh, every company in the United States and certainly uh, stimulate uh, governmental leadership in providing equal pay and equal conditions for women. Twenty-two states do it now. We can do a much better job on that. We want to make sure that the available talent which we have in this country uh, in Trained women is being used effectively. I think we want to uh, make sure that uh, some recognition is given to the special problems women have as the mother and the housewife, and at the same time, uh, their desires to participate usefully in public and private life. This is a matter of great national concern, and I think that in this uh, great society of ours, we want to be sure that we that women are used as effectively as they can to provide a better life for our, our people in addition to meeting their primary responsibility, which is in the home. Thank you very much. I think that's a, a very good objective. But there is one phase that I think a great many women are interested in, and that is that here, where women have 
in many ways a very much better uh, situation than they have in other countries, that still in some of the other countries, women can be found in higher positions, policy-making positions or legislative positions, uh, than they are in this country. Have you any idea why it is that in this country we have not somehow managed or, or found um, people to put into these higher positions? Well, I suppose this is the, the first is I, uh, the respond, the interruption in their careers that uh, take place in the lives of most women because of their uh, keeping a family and raising children. But I quite agree. I don't think we make the most use of our not, uh, talent, not only in the government. And there are an awful lot of women that uh, hold very key positions in the government. I think most of us, in fact, the other day when we gave the awards for the five outstanding civil servant, I, servants, two of them were women of great technical skill. We have uh, women in the UN delegation, of which you were a distinguished example, and uh, we have them in uh, as treasurer. And but I still think we ought to do better. I think we ought to do better in the field of medicine, for example. I think that the number of girls who are admitted to medical school, the number of practicing doctors, I don't think we do as good a job in this country as we ought to. We do better than a number of other countries, but not nearly as well, considering the talented women that we have, the great need for doctors. I think they do a good job in teaching, but in medicine is one of the great areas where I think we should stimulate. I think women make good doctors. They have the personal qualities and the patience, and I think to have two or three percent of each class admitted be women is a great uh, lack. But I know, Ms. Roosevelt, I'm always getting letters from you about uh, getting women in these policy-making jobs, and we are very conscious of that responsibility. So I've touched on this topic a few times, but I've never done an actual dedicated episode to it, which has been asked for a billion times. So here it is. I'm going to talk to you about Bobby Kennedy versus the mob. Today's sources are History.com, Oregon Live, JFK Library, New York Times, The Mob Museum, and Bobby Kennedy for President, the documentary. Let's get into it. So as a lot of us know, RFK has been consistently described as ruthless due to his determination to quash organized crime in the U.S. And JFK even said once that Bobby was a cop at heart. I personally feel like watching footage of Bobby and stuff, you get this feeling that he was real, like, gentle and and soft and all these things. But when you actually hear about Bobby from people that knew him, he was a tough personality, a really, really hard fighter. He, he, was, he was tough. He was real tough. So the Senate's permanent subcommittee appointed Bobby as its chief counsel in 1957. Bobby had a very special interest in organized crime within the labor movement. His research led to findings that organized criminals were infiltrating unions and taking money from their leaders and members. But this issue was not a priority for the FBI, which at the time was led by J. Edgar Hoover, whose major focus was identifying and charging communist conspirators. As such, Bobby sought to ensure that organized crime in the labor movement was placed firmly on the agenda by making these the next focus on the Senate committee's hearings. Now, not only was Bobby genuinely determined to address organized crime in the labor movement, but he was also aware that televised hearings would provide him and JFK with a platform which would in turn boost their political prospects. So, win-win. This had been the case for Senator Kefauver, who had chaired televised Senate committee hearings investigating organized crime and subsequently defeated JFK in the bid for the vice presidential ticket. Bobby's plan to investigate key union leaders led to disagreements between him and Joe Kennedy Sr., partially because Joe himself had links to the labor movement 
and partially because he felt that JFK could not win the 1960 election without the support of the unions. A lot of people also believe that there's a lot of mafia ties with the Kennedys. I'm not going to go down that avenue, but I have to mention it. So anyway, back to the story. The Senate approved and funded the Senate Select Committee on Improper Activities in the Labor and Management Field, more commonly referred to as the Senate Rackets Committee. Bobby was given authority over testimony scheduling, witness questioning, and the specific issues which would be investigated by the committee's chairman, Senator McClellan. Now, its main focus was the investigation of corrupt acts by union leaders, particularly Teamsters union officials, many of whom were subpoenaed by the committee. The Teamsters union was the largest union in the U.S., and it controlled the $250 million that its members contributed. During Bobby's investigations, he found that extortion tactics had been used by the union. David Beck was the president of the Teamsters Union, and he was forced to resign and was eventually sent to prison after the committee exposed his corruption. So, for example, he had misused $370,000, which had been withdrawn from union funds, spending it on building homes for himself and four associates, as well as on shirts, football tickets, a freezer, golf clubs, and he and his relatives' household bills. He pled the fifth to 140 questions, but he was ultimately still caught. And then comes Jimmy Hoffa. He replaced David Beck, and Bobby believed him to be completely corrupt. And he was right. Jimmy Hoffa was guilty of dodgy deals, involvement with the mafia, and financial corruption. He had even misappropriated $9.5 million, and he had already been investigated for extortion in 1953. He was also arrested after he attempted to pay a lawyer to secure a job with the committee so that he could act as an informant. Now, if Bobby could successfully take Hoffa down that not only would the Teamsters Union be strengthened, but the labor movement would also become cleaner. But during the Senate Racket Committee hearings, Jimmy Hoffa was very uncooperative. I've actually mentioned this before in previous episodes. He claimed memory loss in order to avoid answering 111 questions. He resorted to bullying tactics in an attempt to intimidate Bobby. He would wink at Bobby and like deliberately misspell his name using IE instead of Y to like emasculate him. I'm going to insert a clip here of Bobby interrogating Jimmy Hoffa. You had been in business uh, with Mr. Matheson, had you not? With my own money. Yeah, but you had been in business. With my own money, yes. Uh, do you have any evidence of the $20,000 in cash that you put into the business? I don't need any evidence. You'll just... take my word for it as the Internal Revenue has. Could you describe a little of it, uh, Mr. Hoffman? No, sir, I cannot. And I don't, care to, I don't care to try and recall back my entire lifetime since I started working at the age 17 as to how I accumulated money or how I spent it to finally arrive at having $20,000 I could afford to invest. The Rackets Committee held 300 days of public hearings, heard from 1,500 witnesses, published over 20,000 pages of testimonies, and received 40,000 complaints about improper acts by unions during Bobby's tenure as chief counsel. So by the end of the televised hearings, 49 mobsters who were associated with the union were exposed, 141 officers were found guilty of criminal activities, and 73 officers pled the fifth. Are you discouraged at the speed at which uh, this legislation is moving? Yes, I am. I think that the bill that passed the Senate is a very strong, forceful bill, and I think that would be uh, a great help if it uh, goes by the House of Representatives, but it's only going to be passed in the House of Representatives. If the people themselves take an interest, if the people contact their congressmen and urge them for them to vote on the legislation, mm -hmm. because you have no group now that's pushing the legislation, and I think that's the important thing. 
I understand you're having Mr. Harper back before the committee this week. We are. We expect to have him uh, probably Thursday afternoon and Friday. Do you expect to explore any uh, new areas with uh, Mr. Harper when you get him before the committee? Yes, uh, but we'll only start this week. We expect to get into a number of new areas, and we expect the hearings will probably last two or three weeks. You couldn't tell us now what these areas will be? Not yet. Do you ha plan to have any committees, uh, any witnesses, rather, from New York before the committee? Yes, there'll be a number of witnesses from the uh, New York City area and a number of witnesses from New Jersey who will be appearing before the committee either this week or next week. Mr. Kennedy, first I'd like to ask you a rather broad general question here. I wonder how you would evaluate the success of you and the McClellan Committee thus far in your investigation of the activities of Jimmy Hoffa and the Teamsters. Well, I think the only important thing really is whether we get legislation to deal with the problems. I think we've uncovered the fact that there are many difficulties, that there has been misuse of union funds, misappropriation of union funds, that there have been gangsters and hoodlums that have taken over unions that there has been a lack of democratic procedure within certain of the Teamster unions. And I think that the eventual success of this committee lies rather lies in our ability to get legislation to deal with these mm -hmm. problems. So I don't think that we can really evaluate yet uh, whether the committee has been a success in this investigation until we find out whether we get some legislation through the House of Representatives. You're not too disappointed in the fact that you have missed uh two court convictions of Mr. Hoffa? Well, that's not our purpose. I, d I don't think that he belongs as head of the International Brotherhood of Teamsters. Yeah. I think that that is a, a national disgrace and uh, most unfortunate. But uh, that is not our problem. Uh, and uh, I think that uh, we have presented the facts so that Congress should act to deal with these difficulties. Because even if you get rid of uh, uh, Jimmy Hoffa and don't have legislation, you'll have a new Jimmy Hoffa that will come along in five or six years. Uh, we, who will perpetrate these uh, uh, tremendous difficulties. No doubt you are aware of the fact that uh, this rumor has been floating around, the rumor to the effect that you expect to resign as counsel of the committee uh, at the strategic moment to uh, aid your brother, Senator Jack Kennedy, and his campaign for the 1960 Democratic nomination. Do you have any comment on that? Well, I understand that he's only trying to be a good senator from Massachusetts, <laughs> so uh, I have no plans along those lines. And you're planning to be a good counsel for a while longer? That's correct, yes, sir. Thank you very much, and nice to see you. Thank you. And now, as a nationally recognized figure, he finally resigned from the Rackets Committee on September 10th, 1959, after the Landrum-Griffin bill was passed with JFK's help. This bill ensured fair secret ballot elections within American unions, and it was inspired by the committee's 1957 report, which recommended legislation requiring regular secret ballot elections and compulsory financial disclosures for the unions. RFK's determination to address organized crime did not end when the Senate Racket Committees was dissolved. As Attorney General, he increased the size of the organized crime section of the Justice Department from two lawyers to 60. Convictions against organized crime rose by 800% during his time in office, and the conviction rate increased to 90%. 850 cases against the mob were pursued. Bills which imprisoned and fined racketeers were introduced. And more specifically, he assembled a group of 20 prosecutors whose mission it was to get Hoffa, primarily through the pursuit of extra-legal tactics, like IRS records were misused, wiretapping was employed, mail was illegally opened, raids were pursued, and an informant was planted in Hoffa's gang. So finally, Hoffa was charged for bribing the jury and defrauding a pension fund in 1964, and he was fined $10,000 and imprisoned for 13 years total. 
Jimmy Hoffa himself referred to his relationship with Bobby as a blood feud. It wasn't just a matter of legality. It was also a personal rivalry and an informant had informed Walter Sheridan, which was the leader of the Get Hoffa squad, that Hoffa had expressed a desire to kill RFK. On down the road, Bobby even questioned whether the mob was behind JFK's assassination and he himself deployed Walter Sheridan to Dallas to investigate that possibility. So that's all I've got for you today. We were do a Bobby episode. Make sure you're subscribed and please rate the podcast five stars and write a positive written review if you like it. If you haven't listened to my episode with Clint Hill and Lisa McCubbin Hill about their newest book, My Travels with Mrs. Kennedy, go back and listen to it because I think it was a great conversation. I really enjoyed that episode. I have an exciting guest coming up. I actually have a few exciting guests coming up in the next few weeks. Um, So stay tuned for those as well. I'm trying to think. I know I'm forgetting stuff. My brain is all over the place and I'm pretty sure I'm running a fever. Oh, get some merch. We have sweatshirts. We have backpacks. We have, I don't know if we have backpacks. I don't know why I said that. We have t-shirts. We have all kinds of stuff. So go check out my merch shop and get some Kennedy swag for the winter months. And if you have any Kennedy fans in your life or Kennedy Dynasty fans, get them, get them a sweatshirt. Show them that you love them this Christmas season, this giving, lovely season. Okay, I'm going to go back to bed. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope you learned something new. If you do any extra research yourself, send me any new information you come up with. I'd love to learn from you guys as well. Talk to you guys soon. Come on and vote for Kennedy. Vote for Kennedy. Keep America strong. Kennedy, he just keeps rolling up. Kennedy, he just keeps rolling up. Kennedy, he just keeps rolling along. Vote for Kennedy. I'm Ken Harbaugh, host of Warriors in Their Own Words, a podcast that presents the unvarnished, unsanitized truth of what we have asked of those who defend this nation. As a country, we need these stories more than ever. Stories from Americans who have borne the battle, including 30-year-old remastered interviews with veterans from World War I recounting their time in the trenches of Europe, and with veterans from World War II, Korea, Vietnam, and from our most recent conflicts in Iraq, Afghanistan, and other battlefields Americans may never have heard of. Hear their stories by listening to Warriors in Their Own Words wherever you find podcasts.